Hello, and welcome to another episode of Endeavors. Today, I speak with directors Anne van Dierden and Rosine Mbakum on their documentary, Prism, that's coming up on Endeavors. What happens when filmmakers turn the cameras not only on themselves, but onto the whole art form as a whole? That is the idea behind Prism, a new documentary spearheaded by Belgian filmmaker Anne van Dienderen and co-directed with Rosine Mbakum and Eleanor Yamiogo. It explores the idea, concept, legacy, I guess, of racism that is inherent in photographs, photographic technology, film, video, anything digital, which may or may not surprise you, but was developed for people with white skin. Um, One of the oldest film produced film is in France. It also started in Britain. And of course, at that time, um, it was largely used by by white people. So Prism examines these effects and what it means for black filmmakers, uh, other people of color, uh, both in front and behind uh the camera. Uh, Anne is from Belgium. Uh, Rosine and Eleanor are both originally from Africa, but Rosine um, lives in Belgium now too. Uh, It's a very, very uh, in-depth conversation, uh, and both Rosine and Anne joined me in-depth to discuss their new movie. This is my conversation with Anne van Dierden and Rosine Mbakum. Anne van Dierden, Rosine, Rosine Mbakum, hello. How, how are you ladies today? Um, you have a very interesting film uh, in Prism coming out and it, it strikes me as almost a meta-documentary, in a way, uh, a, a, film, a, a film about film or, or a film about the filmmaking process and, and, and the people who make film. Um, on for you, where did this whole, whole idea to sort of turn a documentary film on its head come from? 
Wow. <laughs> As an opening question, this is kind of um, heavy already. Um, I think for a long time, I've been interested in, in uh, questioning film processes and how this can be transparent to viewers and relate something to how films or especially documentaries are being made and how this can uh, reveal something of what normally in let's say mainstream documentary is being censored censored uh, so with this project you know how racism and discrimination is uh, intertwined with the technology of of filmmaking i thought it was really important to show, sort of show the show the process of of filmmaking itself and show the inner workings of filmmaking but it's a, f a film um that started um, with research that I did on China girls, China girls, which are the images of uh, white women and color codes, which are used to color calibrate cameras. And it's a practice that has been invented like from the twenties up till now, and it's still in use today. And mostly white women are used. So the, the process for PRISM started there. Um, how can we relate to such a practice? And I invited Rosine and Eleonore to make a documentary with me um, that relates to this issue of uh, racism and discrimination in technology of uh, filmmaking. Uh, I know it's 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 been a uh, a, a four year process for you, which for some might seem like a long time for documentaries. It maybe doesn't seem as long as, as, as some others that I talked to. Um, I'm, I'm curious for both of you, what you have learned about not only films, but the filmmaking process uh, during this four-year journey. <laughs> Sorry. Um... <laughs> Cameo appearance. I didn't hear your question. Sorry. Oh, um, I was just you know over the 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 four years of of making this film, what you have learned, if anything. <laughs> what you have learned about film and in the filmmaking process in the course of, of making prism what i learned um a lot of things to work with other people um it was my first time to collaborate with other filmmakers and um to to learn also how to to focus on what I think, uh, despite the fact that I I didn't share it with people that I collaborate with, it was difficult to just focus on what I want to say. Um, for me, it was difficult because I used to, to work alone and uh, it, it was my first time to collaborate. And uh, yes, I learned to, um, 
to be patient, <laughs> I think, also because uh, we don't have the, the the same rhythm in in the collaboration. Sometimes people um, don't understand what what. Uh, you want to say or where you want to go with uh, your thoughts and uh, to be patient that other people can, can understand you. And for me, it was, um, yes, it was, I learned that in the same moment that I think of something, uh, it's not the, the same thing to other people and I have to be patient uh, uh, to the process of others, you know, and uh, I learned that because for me, I used to be in my mind, to be in my rhythm, in, and I I learned to to be uh, aware of of uh, some and attentive to other people in in the 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 place of working together I didn't used to. Mm -hmm. uh, An, what about, what about for you? Was there anything that you learned or you had to do differently, maybe compared to your last, you know, your, your previous films? Uh, certainly. Um, it's like Rosini saying, it's, it's, you know, working together, making a film together, um, co-authoring decisions it's it's something completely different um and it it took a lot of time to find the right um angle for it in the beginning the first edit that we did we mixed the different scenes um 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 yeah next to one next to each other without making clear which scene is from which director um, and it was terrible it was completely terrible because it isn't because and and that was something that Rosin made clear you know it's it's very important that we have uh, a personal point of view within the film as each director because we are not the same we're not thinking the same we have different perspective and those different perspective perspective needs to come out uh, in a singular voice so it's how it's it's trying to be in a collective why preserving your personal point of view because my point of view as a white uh, woman is different and Eleonore's point of view as you perhaps uh, see in the film it's also very different from mine and from Rosine's point of view so in the beginning I think we sort of try to um, work towards each other, but at a certain point of view, certain point of time, we understood it's impossible, and it's more rewarding if we really own our own perspective. Um, and it, for me, especially, and we had many conversations about it, that I'm used to being the privileged white filmmaker who can sort of, um, yeah take a lead in everything and um, it it was clear to me in this project that uh, it was not up to me to take the lead and um, to understand that you know if I if the film really want to 
acknowledge how skin color um, is relating to technology of cinema and cinema as a whole, I, uh, my perspective is not so important. I, you know, I'm, I'm curious then, directors always work very closely with editors. Um, and I know you had a great editing team on this. Um, but what were those conversations like, given that the four of them had to essentially edit three different films? Oh, <laughs> difficult question. Um, <laughs> you, you should understand that there was no setup plan for the film. Um, so the film basically started with my images because, uh, as I said, you know, I was uh, used to taking the lead. So I made my films before my images beforehand. Uh, also, uh, because I want, I when I invited Rosine and Eleonor, I proposed them to make a cadavre exquis, which is a um, exquisite corpse. Uh, it's a, it's this format where uh, one person draws the head of somebody on paper and then fold it down, and then somebody else draws the the body, and then somebody else draws the the leg. So it's sort of a collective experience where nobody has the authority over the the results so i proposed to do that and to propose it i already had filmed my part but at that point i understood no it's it's again uh, me proposing a format which uh, was not the way to go at all so when i understood that um the, the, there was no plan, there was no scenario, there was no script, and things were going very organically. Um, so there was no editing plan or editing um, uh, script. Um, you know, and, and, and collaboration, I think, is, is always an interesting thing. Um, especially as a director, because directors are so used to working on their own. I mean, you know, do documentary is, is, it, is its own thing. The, um, how would you describe the, the working relationship between, between the, the three of you in this film in, in trying to, you know, put, put, put something together? It was difficult. <laughs> it was difficult because, uh, like Anne said, we after uh, the first meeting, we decide to just uh, we decide that uh, each filmmaker will just say what uh, she wants to say, and uh, we didn't have plans and and um, and. And without having plans, it was, um, I think it was difficult for us to find uh, the direction where we will all, uh, we, we want to, uh, to reach a direction that we want the film to reach. And it's, it was difficult to find the direction because uh, we made 
we uh, imagine our parts of the film without um, with a, a freedom also of creation. And after that, we have to decide in, in, in the process of the editing, how we are going to make all, all the three point of view to become a film. And I think that it was difficult at that sense because each of us have an idea of what the film uh, um, may be. And it was difficult to find um, a commune idea and we try different, uh, different perspective. Like Anne said that uh, we mix sometimes images uh, and in the sense that we, when we were looking at the film, we, were, we didn't know uh, which part was for Anne or for me or for Eleanor. And it was, diff for me, it was difficult to see the film like that because my part was uh, very uh, intimate that I didn't see it like that. But I think that um, especially for Eleanor, she was thinking about something uh, in the sense that we don't know, we have to do a film for all of us without knowing that this part is for Anne, for, for Rosine or for Eleanor. And, um, but the material, the material didn't work like that because it, in the beginning, it was not a film with that direction. And it was difficult to build the film with that idea. And, and I think that it, it, it took time for us to accept that maybe the film will not be what we think also and to just find uh, where the material as it is after the shooting will bring us what film will uh, burn on that mm -hmm. materials. And I think that the process were, were difficult in that sense. You know, any time you use the word racist or, or racism to describe something, I think there's going to be a, a, a certain segment of the population, whether it be, you know, in Belgium or in Canada or in the States or, or, or wherever, that's maybe going to respond negatively or, or not as, you know, they, they might have some issue with um, the, the use of that word. How, how have you found the reception um, to, to the film and the subject matter being overall, um, you know, when you've shown that internationally in, in response to the sort of the, the subject matter that you, that you make in the film and, and how certain technologies can add to the systemic racism that, that we see. Yeah, we, we uh, only screened the film in New York on the New York Festival right now. And unfortunately, the three of us could not be there. 
so we I think we only received as a reception the text that was written by New York Festival and they embraced I think and really um, um, underlined uh, the premises of our film that racism is not only uh, there in technology but also in film education and film reception so I think that was sort of the premises of our project, but it was really nice that the Film Festival of New York, when they wrote the description of our film, really took that at heart and, and uh, didn't question the, the racism that we wanted to uh, criticize. Um, and that's, I think for me personally, that was a real discovery to see that there is this line from the racism in technology with the China girls uh, that Rosine uh, continued with her story in film schools um, and film education where, um, well, at least here in Western Europe, um, there is this Eurocentric tradition of showing only Western European or North American films and ignoring films that have been made in the rest of the world. So, but also the, um, in, in uh, the more pragmatic part in Eleonore's piece where she offers the experience of uh, her actress who uh, states that the lighting and the makeup is really not learned for uh, dedicating other skins and white skins. So that's also part of, of sort of a racist um, experience that has been developed within uh, the perspective of Eleanor. And I, I was really happy to see that, that it's, you know, it's for me, the, the, the China girls always have been a metaphor. It is at the same time, it's a technical technological exercise, but it's also a metaphor for a, a huge, um, problem in film, film education and film reception. Uh, so I was happy to see that, um, or happy, no, it's it's a little bit cynical to talk about happiness in that sense, but uh, that it's it's taken up uh, in, in the other parts of Rosine and Eleanor and by enlarging it and expanding the scope from technology to film education, film pedagogy, um, film reception, um, makeup and so on and other uh, parts of discrimination in society. Does 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 that make if you know does that make a film such as you know um, Black Panther or you know some of these films that 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 Tyler Perry make that have a predominantly non-white cast and have been very very successful? Does that make them even more of a cinematic achievement? Um, given the things that, that you talk about and, and you learned in this film? I don't, I don't think so. What I think is that um, the Project Prism is just a space where, uh, for me, it was a, a space where I can just speak about my experience just uh, because what uh, Anne allowed me as a filmmaker to, to just do is the project's prism 
I I didn't think that I could write it and submit it to a commission, a white commission here to give me money to do that. It was impossible for me to do that for me. And uh, and I took the project priest as a space to just speak loudly what I kept in me in many years. And um, I don't think that I can compare it with uh, a genre of film like Taloy Perry. No, I don't. I just, for me, it was just a space to just speak loudly, uh, uh, to, to just question what I experienced in a white school of cinema as a black uh, and African uh, girl in that school. And I didn't have a space to express what I was in the school. And uh, for me, when I was there, I, I just, for me, it was like I didn't exist before and I didn't learn anything. I didn't have an history of not cinema, just an history. I just have to learn everything there. And I think that People can relate to the film also about the experience because I think that uh, I think that what maybe what we can relate with Tyler Perry is that he created a space for black people in US to express them, themselves. It's what I I can see in his production is that he as a black producer and filmmaker and uh, entrepreneur and all who can, he create a space for black people, black young actress to just be seen. And uh, we can see, I, I saw these last few years, many uh, actress coming on the production of uh, Tyler Perry, that I think that if it wasn't there, we will not know them today because in the, the, the major production of the Hollywood, there was not a space for them there. And I think that uh, if, we, if we talk about space, Tyler Perry gave the space to Black uh, American filmmaker, young filmmaker and actress to express themselves. And I think that Priest was a space for me to express what I, I kept for a long time in me here. Yeah. Um, uh, on you, you, you talked a little bit about, you know, knowing that you have privilege and, you know, how that privilege has afforded you, you know, to make this film among others. I'm curious what the what's the conversation around that topic been like in 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 Western Europe and 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 in Belgium? You know, the recognizing that certain you know that certain people have privilege and you know you using that recognition as as a, as a force for change. 
Well, thank you for this question uh, because it's really close to my heart. Um, but I must acknowledge that uh, it's not going so well in Western Europe. Uh, I can give you one example. Uh, so Rosina and myself, we are teaching at the School of Arts in Ghent. And a couple of years ago, I think two or three years ago, the students were criticizing the teachers who gave theory because they thought they were giving a very Eurocentric colonial view on philosophy, on history of art and so on. And so they were demanding the teacher to, de to de decolonize their curriculum. It was coming from the students. And I remember that in my class, uh, one student, uh, uh, um, a girl, she, a woman, she says, you know, and you should know that uh, we were um, asking the teacher of philosophy to give us some female philosophers in the course. His course was the 19th century of philosophy. And this teacher said, there are none, they don't exist. And so this is what's happening at an art school in Ghent, which is supposed to be a very socialist progressive town. Uh, and a teacher claims that there are no female uh, philosophers in the 19th century. So I accuse this teacher of being very lazy, of not doing his job, which is doing research and um, finding there are certainly female uh, um, philosophers and philosophers, female philosophers of colors and so on. So it's, it's, it's only, I, I really think that the younger generation now because of the Me Too um, movement and because of Black Lives Matter is much more critical and much more assertive. And I guess a couple of generations ago, and I experienced this as a very, very good um, movement, but it's going slowly. Um, it's going really slowly. And that's why I think for my part in, in, in PRISM, I wanted to show the paradox of, because I sh in my scene, I filmed the School of Arts, the film department, where is Rosine and I teach. And um, it's, it's, it's filmed on 60 millimeter. We uh, color graded in such a way that it's sort of a garden of Eden, but you only see white students. Um, and then you hear this South African um, choreographer, actress saying that she experiences uh, the pencil test in South Africa in which the pencil uh, that was stuck into hair, um, to her hair, and uh, if it fell out, it, it was um, showing that she could have um, more civil rights than when the pencil did not fell out. So I wanted to place this experience within this white institute, um, showing the paradox that you know, there are many, many art schools who are not acknowledging the diversity and inclusivity and the, the necessity to decolonize a curriculum. Ro Rosine, how, how do you feel about that in, in terms of a lot of these movements for social change um, th th that we're seeing? How, where do you think we are in real progressive, positive change? Thanks. 
as Anne says, things go slowly. It's really slowly in my point of view, because I think that in the point of view of uh, white people, things change uh, quickly. But for me, <laughs> it's not not change so quickly and uh, but I can I think that I can receive that progression like a breath that I can there is a space and uh, as Anne says uh, five I think ten years ago I couldn't be in cast where we, we are teaching uh, now and in me I couldn't be there I think it would be difficult for me to teach there. And I think that it's also in the, it's also uh, a part of that progress or all the movement that, uh, that we have today, that we can have a space, I think, a space to 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 express to express ourselves i think for me i think that i have more space now to say to be to say and to be what i want to be as a filmmaker without uh without conforming my gaze without uh uh finding a place to please people here yeah, because there is a generation of African filmmakers that please Europe that just say what Europe wants to, to hear. And I think that it was only in that space that they can exist. And, uh, and when you were confronting, I can take the example of um, of Semben Usman, he was confronting uh, the colonial past of uh, uh, French France, and he was um, how do we say? He was cancelled. His film was cancelled in France and here in Europe because he was confronting uh, French colonialists. And I think that a lot of filmmaker, a lot of African filmmaker knew that by confronting uh, that history and that past, it was difficult to exist as a filmmaker. And the, the, only, uh, the only ways to exist was to please uh, the West by uh, telling the story that the West wants to see from Africa. I think that Today I have the space to just be and say what I want to say, even if it's, it can be violent for people here. Today I have that space and I think that there is an, an evolution in that, in that case. You know, speaking of having that space, Rosine, you you actually have another documentary out. Um, I mean, it, it's so rare for even actors or directors to have sort of two films come out at the same time, um, let alone doc, uh, documentarians. But uh, I know D Delphine's prayers are starting to make uh, 
the rounds is starting to make the rounds as well. Um, can you can you talk a little bit about that film? Uh, <laughs> it's difficult to switch. <laughs> the film prayers is uh, as it's a, a prolongement of what I said. It's the film wanted a space to speak, and I think that I didn't give her a space, but she just reappropriate that space that she wanted to speak. She wanted the world to hear her story. She wants to confront the violence of the two society, the society of Cameroon that is patriarchal and the violence that she, uh, she just uh, have from that society. And the West also here she lives and and where she have another kind of violence. And, and the film prayers um, confronting two society and, and two kinds of violence in a, a young girl today. And, um, and what can I say else? I don't know. <laughs> it's a fantastic um, film <laughs> I can say that it's really a, an amazing film and you should all go and see it whenever you have the chance <laughs> you know I, I think uh, at, at least for me as, as a, a filmmaker in the West I've, I've always loved um, films whether they be narratives or documentaries that have come out of Western Europe Germany, Switzerland, Belgium, and and I think I think Belgium is a bit underrated as as a filmmaking country, you know. But sadly, what most people know is maybe Jean Claude Van Damme, or maybe if they're into direct, maybe if they're into directing somebody like Jaco Van Dormel. Um, but how how would you describe the overall um, filmmaking community in your country? Um, well, our country is a little bit difficult to understand as we are separate, in a sense, separated. You know, the funding of films is separate within a Flemish part and a Walloon part, and the Walloon is the French part. So already this separation creates like two cultures. You should know that our national television is also separated into a Flemish part and in a French part, and both sides are not translated, not subtitled for the other. So there is this um, this, this ambition from politics, political side of, of the world to really separate both uh, countries. Although I think that most interesting things happen in Brussels where both uh, cultures are <laughs> um, happening at the same time. Uh, that's really where uh, I like to navigate. And uh, I see that um, there are the, the, and I see this also with the students that Rosine and I teach that they are looking for ways to uh, make hybrid films in which they use references of documentary filmmaking and fiction filmmaking and try to present it as a very personal narrative uh, in which filmic tropes are being appropriated and personalized and and there is this it's Belgium is this small country and 
that's also an advantage because we can experiment. We can, we have like this budget for making experimental films such as Prism. So we are like under the radar and having the opportunity to do whatever we like in a way. And the budget is very small and we don't have a lot of, you know, um, professional uh, organizations helping us, but that might be also the reason why a lot of experimental avant-garde stuff is happening in, in, in Belgium and, and many of the um, filmmaker, many filmmakers in Belgium are relating to, for instance, uh, the legacy in Congo, uh, the, which was the colony of Belgium and it's, you know, it's, it's uh, the African community in Brussels that took up this uh, narrative, but also filmmakers. Um, and it was not there in mainstream lessons of history or mainstream research of history. So there are some occurrence that you see in, in filmmaking that take up very critical notions of, um, you know, what film is, what, what society is, what, so, and I think this is because we are a small country and we are not in the center of things and we are somehow in the margin. But Rosine, maybe you see this uh, differently. I think that if I can compare, um, I think that in Belgium, if I can compare with France, in Belgium, everything is accessible, I can say. Um, um, you, you can uh, make a film with small money. <laughs> and, and I think that uh, it is a, a particularity of, of Belgium because every time that, uh, sometime in US, they ask me the budget of my film, it's sometimes very funny because <laughs> when I say the budget, the people are saying, it's not true, it's not possible, it's not, yes. And I think that this is, it is a particularity of um, of Belgium and how uh, uh, the way of making cinema it is organized here and it makes you uh, find a place to to express yourself and uh, and uh, I think that. Uh, I exist as a filmmaker because of that kind of, of because of of that uh, that way of making cinema that is particular here in Belgium. I think you know, given not only the subject matter of the film, but what, and what you said about the the di cultural dichotomy, I guess, in in Belgium from from the Dutch and and the French. What has a project like this, or or just living in that country, taught you know taught you about um, multiculturalism or immigration or a lot of um, that debate that that is that is happening in 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 all countries in the world? How do you think um, are are there certain unique aspects of that of that conversation that are unique to to Belgium? Hmm. It's difficult to say because Eleonore, she's, you know, living in France. 
it's difficult to see Prism as a, a Belgian film. Um, it's uh, also with, you know, the reference of Rosine to Cameroon and Eleanor to Burkina Faso. There are also images of Burkina Faso. So I guess we tried with this film to connect multiculturality in Western Europe to African experience, um, which is, I think, very important to not see Western Europe as this closed entity that has nothing to do with Africa. I think it's really important to, to, uh, to see these connections and, and make these um, um, as, yeah, associations or... Um, because too often we in Europe see want to see ourselves as fortress Europe, which can be closed closing a closing entity which can close its borders um, but i i don't believe that that europe is such a place or that my experience of europe is a closed environment uh, i think history um, showed over and over again that it's a connected uh, base a connection to um, yeah, that we should take into account these connections. Uh, Rosine, from you, you know, um, we, we, we talked a little about, about the Belgium and, and European film community. Where do you think um, the world is in knowing about um, film that, that comes out of, of Africa. I, I think if you talk to one generation, they might know, um, and, and the gods are crazy. You know, one might know District 9 without even realizing that's an African, you know, from, from an African director. Um, where, where, where is the world in appreciating African cinema? It's just... I, I said to the student uh, what's when, last Friday that Europe, now for me, the sensation that I have, the West is now talking to the West, I think. The, the West is in, uh, you say it in French, complaisance. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, like the Complacent, compliant, what? like complimentary, yeah. yeah. Yes, the the West is talking to the West, and uh, and I was saying that uh, everything it's export from Africa except the thought of Africans, and uh, that thoughts of Africans, it's export with the cinema and the arts of African, but it's the only thing that is not exported in Africa and the lack of that confrontation is the reason that we have that imbalance now in this world. And uh, it's, it's the, 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 the Europe, the, the West, the Europe the, didn't confront his thought with other kind of thoughts. And that is imbalance because he is the West. It is in the place of domination. It, it is. It is in that complacence, and uh, and I think that we can see it 
because I can find here in the cinema, <laughs> I don't know how many times I saw an, an African uh, cinema in the cinema here in Belgium. I don't know in the US or in France, but it's really rare. How can you confront, uh, how can you know about uh, what you are if you are not confronting yourself to something different? You cannot because you are, you are cultivate what you know. <laughs> and, uh, and, and for me, the West, it is in that place. And uh, the West need to, 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 to take from other society, other minority society. And I think that we can see that fragility of the West today because uh, everything are fragile here. And I think that it's because we are in the place of complacence and we are talking to uh, the West is talking to the West, always talking to the West. There is a lack of confrontation. And it's because as African, I know about what is going on. My mother in Cameroon know about what is going on here. But how many people are knowing what is going on in my country in Cameroon? Yeah. Nobody, nobody. That, it's, it's where there is a problem. It's where there is a problem because the West it is in the place of domination. And we have to find a way of bringing uh, a balance there. You know, and when, even when I think about films that are about Africans or African people, I can only think of... Uh, the one where Morgan Freeman plays Nelson Mandela and then uh, Blood, uh, Blood Diamond, you know, from 2006 with, with, with Leo DiCaprio and uh, Jaiman Hunsu. Where, what do you think of how, how, how Africa is, is portrayed in, in, in Western films? It's, it is it, with the gaze of domination. You know Africa with the gaze of West, uh, West filmmaker. It's not Africa. For me, it's not the thoughts of Africa. It's the thoughts of the West. It's not the thoughts of Africa. You have to, to, to reach the thoughts of Africa. You have to see what a filmmaker of Africa is saying what he wants to show, how it shows things, how it films people. Yeah. And it's only that you cannot, it's, it's, it's always a reproduction because people in the West or West uh, filmmakers usually talk to for uh, Africans. And, uh, and I think that I need, as I live here since 12 or 13 years now, I can feel that I need uh, something else by living here. Right. I need to see something else in the cinema. I need to feel myself or uh, 
because even in the fiction, we are in something that there is not uh, inventivity again. There is something that we reproduce, we reproduce, we reproduce, because we have to nourish uh, the cinema have have to nourish it himself, I think, and uh, and we are reproducing what the cinema did <laughs> many years <laughs> ago, and we I think that we have to leave the 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 huge weight of that heritage and to liberate our creativity because uh, we are uh, bound in that heritage and, uh, and, our, and our creativity also is bound in that heritage. We have to, to just release that and, and experience another thing I, I, I think here. I, I don't know if you've heard about this, but there's a, a, a singer in the States called Akon, who's a Senegalese-American kind of singer-rapper. And he's building a city uh, in Senegal that he says is inspired by Wakanda from Black Panther. He's calling it a real-life Wakanda. And he's using like cryptocurrency and blockchain technology to sort of fund it and, 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 and run the city. And he, you know, I think he was born in Senegal or born in the States and has Senegalese parents. What 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 do you what do you make of of a story like that? That he's that he's just you know he's he's coming back home building you know sort of building this small community in in his home country, um, but you know using sort of techno you know tech new technology to to run it. <laughs> we don't need that, I think. I. I experienced something with my family in Cameroon this summer. And I can say that by that experience that we don't need that. We don't need to reproduce uh, things like that because there is an heritage there. We don't need that. Africa, it's, since the colonization, is feeding its imaginary with the the history of the West. And we don't need that. We don't need that. We have a lot of things to relate to. And uh, I don't think that we need to have a small village of Wakanda in the, <laughs> We have, <laughs> I don't need that. I don't need that. Uh. I don't need that. I think that as as African, we are in in a place of people who have have been dominated, and we are reproduced uh, the 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 schemes of 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 our our dominator, and uh, we are reproduced the same thing. And uh, even in the way that we are telling our story, even in the way that we are. Uh, we present ourselves. We are sometimes we produce uh, what the West want 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 us to be, and uh, I think that it it is a reproduction of something. It's not what we really need in in Africa or in Senegal. I think that 
Aiken have to just ask to people that what they want. And I think that he will know. Uh, he will have the answer. And for you, what is is there some message that you want audiences to take away when when they see Prism? I think that what they want to say there is something else beyond um, the history of Africans or, or Black we usually hear. There is something else beyond that. And it's what I want to find with my cinema. It's what I question what is beyond all the, the, the representation that I'm not related to. What is beyond that? It's what I, I'm finding by questioning La Venus Autanta, by questioning Madeleine of the portrait uh, La Negresse. I'm questioning that what is beyond what, uh, what I am today. And that is not really me. And uh, what is beyond that? It's what I find, and I hope that people, the film of Prism can uh, help them to question that. What is beyond what they are? What, what the way that they are represented and portrayed, what is beyond that? Mm -hmm. I think I could add that um... What we really also wanted to question is the so-called neutrality of technologies. And we started in the film with, with cinema and, and audiovisual media, but there is this scene when we were Skyping and in which Eleonore was completely blacked out um, because the um, yeah, the parameters of Skype didn't allow her to have a good skin uh, reference. So it's, it's, I, I hope really that when viewers watch Prism, they question the technology they are using and they are, you know, questioning what kind of ideological reference is being intertwined with this technology. Um, um, I think that's a really important because we are so much surrounded by technology, social media, AI, and so forth. And we always are learned that they are neutral, but I hope that PRISM can show the opposite, that it's not neutral at all, that uh, reference are uh, used coming from Caucasian skin and um, Western, let's say, ideology. So we should really, as viewers, be very much aware of when we are being influenced by these ideological schemes. Well, uh, the, <laughs> the film is PRISM. Um, I think it's perhaps one of the most important documentaries made uh, in the last couple of decades. Uh, I, I know it uh, premiered in New York at the film festival there. Uh, where, else, uh, or where else will people uh, be able to see it and experience it? Well, Icarus is the distributor and they have set out a nice tour in the United States. So the film will be shown in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, LA, uh, Massachusetts, and so on. And of course, um, 
in Belgium, we are also setting up a tour. Um, and we are now also uh, sending out a film to European festivals. The film was also asked in a New Zealand uh, festival in Israel. How do you pronounce it? Israel. Israel. Israel and <laughs> um, film festival. So um, we are hoping that it's, it goes uh, internationally. Um, but yeah, with the premiere at the New York festival, we were giving a lot of rewarding to the work that we have done, done and uh, so that was really a, a very good start for the distribution. Uh, and Rosine, quickly uh, a plug for Delphine's Prayers. Uh, where can people find that film? Um, yes, there is a release this weekend in New York, also the release of Prism in New York, the actual release. And uh, in Belgium, next week, there is a visit here in Belgium and uh, Delphine Prayers in festival have a good life. I don't know all the country now. <laughs> There's really, so many. There's so many, yes. And uh, I'm happy for that. And um, yes, uh, we are going to Itfa uh, on November. And um, there is also in Chile, I don't know how to pronounce it in English. Chile? But there is, yes, there, but there is uh, almost just the month of September and October 10 country where the film will, will be seen. And, and it's good, it's good that some uh, Western people can be confront to that reality and confront that yes i like that cinema of confrontation and uh, i hope that people can find something there well uh on rosine thank you so much uh for for your time today uh i encourage people to see uh both of the films uh that, that we mentioned uh in this broadcast today uh Thank you so much, uh, and and we look we look forward to to seeing the films and to seeing what uh, the two of you have next in store. Thank, Thank you, you so much for the conversation. Thank you. That was my conversation with filmmakers Anne Van Dierden and Rosine Mbakum. They are the co-directors of Prism. Uh, which recently had its debut at the New York Film Festival, as well as Delphine's other documentary, Delphine's Prayers, was released on October the 8th. Please check them both out. They are both very good and very important films. That does it for me today. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to Endeavors on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Deezer, Stitcher, or wherever you choose to get your podcasts. I'm back on Patreon. I'm going to be switching over from Anchor to Patreon, setting up a new Patreon account uh, for monthly subscribers, donations, stuff like that. It's just easier for me to do that living in Canada uh, as Anchor only accepts um, U.S. dollars or you can only activate your payments if you're in a U.S. dollar account. Anyway, so I'm back on Patreon, patreon.com slash Endeavors Radio. And as always, you can find me on Instagram and 
Facebook, and Twitter at Endeavors Radio. Thanks for tuning in. I will see you next time. Goodbye for now.